<laughs> oh, this is Taylor on Forte Catholic. I have a cold and I can't talk. So I definitely couldn't do the what's up. For about 15 seconds before the show started, I was just hacking. And then we all just laughed and me trying to do my intro. And I can't do it. Welcome in. Today is going to be great. <laughs> Uh, in the first segment of the show, we're doing what we planned to do at the end of last week's show and didn't get to. That'll be fun. Then uh, we have two guests today. This works out perfectly because that means this is the only segment that I have to talk the whole time. The other two segments, I just ask questions and shut up. Which, which, which uh, I don't know. I enjoy it today, but Sam enjoys it every day. I mean, what? It's nice. What? It's, it's nice. <laughs> Sam, you have you have like abdicated your your title today. You're like not. What are you doing? You're I'm not, trying to use my context clues as to what abdicated. 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 You have a role. Is it has something with my abs? I don't no, know. No, I'm not I'm talking s- about your abs. I'm confused. <laughs> you have a role in the show. What's your job on the show? I am the producer of Forte Catholic. Yes. And what are you what are you doing tonight? Uh, I am in the studio. Yes. I am next to the producing things, kind of helping Mackenzie produce the show. Uh, no, you're working on homework or it's something. It's true. I'm mostly <laughs> doing homework. You're really here so that when I cough, I can somebody else can talk. <laughs> I can talk. There it is. Saving the day. You, that is you, Sam, saving the day. Yeah, so, I guess you can't really depend on me because I don't usually talk. Is it like Super Sam? You don't talk. Super Sam? Super Sam! Oh, okay. Here's a real question. Okay. Are either of y'all Dragon Ball Z fans? No. Uh, uh, no, but I, Joey is. I wasn't either, but like you know what Super Saiyan is, right? Yes. Mm-mm. I was saying the same thing. Super Saiyan is like when they're like, they're like regular, and then when they go Super Saiyan, like their hair gets bigger, and like their arms get bigger, and they're like, it's like their superpower, right? Oh. Here's the thing. I don't. I haven't watched it enough. I don't think this happens. But like, if I went Super Saiyan, would I just grow hair? Maybe. <laughs> maybe, I, that, maybe that's the trick. I just need to go Super Saiyan, and then I'll have hair again. The question is, how do you do that? Do you have to just like get angry, or do, is there like yeah. a villain? You have to like yell and shake your fist oh, and like flex right all now. the time. Oh, I go to What's up? <laughs> the struggle is so very real. Yeah. So today we have two guests on the show in the in the second segment. We're going to be joined by Aaron Dooley, who is a uh, Catholic filmmaker award-winning with an award-winning Christian musical coming out this week for Lent. Uh, it's called Broken and Beautiful, so we're going to be talking about the film, uh, why she made it, how you can watch it this Lent. And then, in the final segment, this is crazy. Like, I, sometimes I don't understand my life. My uncle texted me and said, hey... He listens to the show. He said, hey, you should uh, reach out to this guy to have him on the show. And it was linked to a National Catholic Register story about this guy named Kurt Tomasevich, who is a two-time Olympic medalist on the bobsled team. We had a Jamaica have a bobsled team. No, not the Jamaican one. He's on, he was on the American bobsled team for three Winter Olympics, and here we are in the midst of the Winter Olympics. Mm-hmm. Ladies, have y'all been watching it all? Oh, yes. I haven't watched like everything, but I've definitely been watching figure skating. I watched hockey, I think, this morning. So I've been, I've been watching. 
I saw the American snowboarder get the gold medal. Ta- ma- ma- Mackenzie, Mackenzie, there's a microphone in front of you. Why would you talk? She's talking at it like this. It's hard, to, it's hard to hear you. I'm looking at Jesus. <laughs> You're looking at Jesus. What? Oh, my gosh. Sam, this is what happens when you do your homework. <laughs> it's true. So uh, Kurt is a two-time. He won the gold medal on the four, on four-man bobsled team. Mm. He won the bronze medal f- four years ago. That's crazy. And has multiplenitude. That's another big word for that you this a, week. I, I think I got that one, though. Like, I think I understood. It means a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it means a lot there. Tons of, like, uh, at the world championships, right? Because, like, they don't just compete every four years and just, like, you know, go hide in the woods or something. Um, I mean, maybe some I'm of them I'm shaking do. my head, but I didn't know that. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So they compete. They compete at other times, too. So um, my uncle... Message me this thing on the National Catholic Register. I read about it, how amazing this guy is, and that he's super into his Catholic faith. And he's like, hey, you should invite him on the show. So I go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> then I email him about an hour later. Within another hour or two, he, Kurt, the Olympic medalist, is like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll come on this week. I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> so I sent my uncle back like, all caps, like he's coming on the show, and it was like what you know, like on the iMessage thing where you can like send it with lasers and whatever, and like shakes your phone. Oh, I was so excited. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, that's because you're a loser and have Android. Hey, Android, all the way. Uh, those two things are different, by the way. What? <laughs> you're a loser and you have. Android. <laughs> you I'm jerk. just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's because you have an Android. Okay, so <laughs> <coughs> that's today's show. Um, that's a wrap. We're done. I can't talk anymore. I'm just kidding. Uh, that's what we have on the docket for today. Last week, I wanted to get into this mm-hmm. because I've talked about it on the show before that I'm in this men's Bible study that on Mondays we meet out for lunch. We talk about life for about 40 minutes and then we study the Bible for about seven and then we go our separate ways. Right. <laughs> and we all, sometimes it's 20. I'm giving us. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much exactly how I said it. Right. <laughs> But it's fun. We're, we're all living life together. And we always look at the gospel reading for the fall, like that next Sunday, right? That's a pretty typical thing to do in Bible studies. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at this one and I'm actually kind of glad. I, I, meant, I meant to do it on last week's show. I'm actually kind of glad that we didn't get to it because <clears throat> I want to see if anybody else is as crazy as I am and read this the way that I did. I showed, I showed this, like what I've found in this gospel that you all heard on Sunday. Right. Except for you sinners that didn't go. Somebody's listening that had the flu. It's like, oh, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I had the flu. I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad at JP. JP didn't go to mass, I think. I don't know. Maybe he did. (laughs) JP. Never mind. I'll have to tell you that later. (laughs) Listeners don't care. Hey, JP. Um, So here's the gospel from this last weekend. I want to see how many of you are crazy enough to have read it like I did. Here's the story from Mark chapter one, which, <laughs> by the way, that's, that's the first joke. Okay. So Mark chapter one, a lot of people believe that Mark was the person that actually wrote the book as it was being dictated by Peter, like Peter, the apostle, right? Hmm. So like a, a lot, a lot of things point to that. Some people think that's happened. Like you can believe if you want or whatever, but a lot of biblical scholars say that that's what happened. <clears throat> And Mark, of all the Gospels, is the shortest and the most, like, to the point. Like, there are no transitions 
whatsoever. <laughs> He's just like, this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. Jesus was born, and then he talked, and then he died, and then he rose again, <laughs> and then it's over. It's like, wait, what, Mark? I, that was so fast. So Mark starts like this. <laughs> Literally starts, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's like, I he could have just started like like we <laughs> we know that it's like for, like in the office. <laughs> what did you do today? Well, I woke up. Like, yes, I know that. Like, <laughs> don't, don't start there. Very smart. I always very smart. do that. <clears throat> so starts with John the Baptist, the baptism of Jesus, the temptation of Jesus in the desert, beginning of the ministry, calling his disciples, curing a demoniac. Curing Simon's mother-in-law, other healings, Jesus leaves Capernaum, the cleansing of a leper. That's chapter one. <laughs> he, he was get, taking care of business. Every day. Oh, man. Don't sing today, Taylor. So <laughs> it's like John had been arrested. Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew. So like he was I, I, in the middle of this Bible study. I started reading, like, Peter was kind of, he was our first pope. Amazing man, did amazing things. Mm -hmm. But throughout the Gospels, like, kind of a bumbling idiot, right? Like, he would say something amazing, then have to, like, be like me and put his foot in his mouth because he said something stupid. It's like, hey, he said something awesome. And then now Jesus is calling him Satan. Like, get behind (laughs) me, right? So I like reading Mark's Gospel as, like, simpleton Peter, right? So I'm going to try to get through. A leper came to Jesus kneeling down, begged him and said, if you wish, you can make me clean. Okay, I'm not going to read it like that. Leper came Mm -hmm. to Jesus, which, by the way, (laughs) leper story. (laughs) When I I was in college, uh, some of my, when I was a freshman in college, some of my friends were seniors and they were in, they would do ministry like abroad, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I thought, I didn't think leprosy was a thing anymore. I learned all kinds of things about leprosy this last two weeks, right? And this week that I was in, this night that I was in college, they were saying, we went to go visit, we went to go do ministry overseas, and we were sharing the gospel, and we would visit these leper colonies. For 45 minutes, 45 minutes, I thought they were saying we were going to visit the leprechauns. That's what I thought you said. <laughs> exactly. I started laughing. That's the thing. I thought, so for 45 minutes, they're like, oh, yeah, and then we went to the leprechauns, and we were healing them, and we were ministering to them. <laughs> Making them totally. And we were, and we're like, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> you and I'm sitting there. Everybody else in here is like, oh, like crying from these amazing stories. Because obviously, they're talking about like God healing these lepers in this leper colony, right? Right. And I'm just sitting here like, leprechauns aren't real like what are you guys <laughs> talking about for 45 minutes <clears throat> so here's the deal here's the gospel from this last sunday let's see how how, how well you were paying attention <clears throat> a leper came to jesus and kneeling down begged him and said if you wish you can make me clean like that's like that's probably what your homily was about right there right if you wish you can make me clean like asking god for whatever you need and he will give it to you right move with pity Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him, and said, I do will it. Be made clean, right? That's that answered prayer. Boom, right there. The leprosy left him immediately, and he was made clean. Then, warning him sternly, he dismissed him at once. He said to him, See that you tell no one anything, but go show yourself to the priest and offer you for your, clean, for your cleansing what Moses prescribed. That will be proof for them. The man went away and began to publicize the whole matter. <laughs> he spread the report abroad so that it was impossible for Jesus to enter a town openly. 
He remained outside in deserted places, and people kept coming to him from everywhere. The gospel of the Lord. Like, okay, that's what we heard. Mm -hmm. The little part that I think most people missed, that I missed until this Bible study, here's what happens. Just going through things that, step by step. Leper comes to Jesus, Mm -hmm. says, I want to be made clean. Jesus says, okay. He heals him. Then he warns him sternly and dismisses him. What do you do when someone dismisses you? You leave. Right. Then Jesus says, hey, don't tell anybody about this. <laughs> then the guy tells everybody. You know why? He wasn't there. <laughs> I, I can just imagine Jesus. There's this, it's this whole thing called the messianic secret, right, in the Gospels, where it's like, why did Jesus not want people to tell, right? And it's this whole thing that you could study. Like, we're not going to do that tonight. But I just think it's hilarious. Like Jesus didn't want people to tell. I feel like in this moment, and this is like one of those things where like everybody else was just getting this holy moment during the gospel. It's like, oh yeah, I just need to tell Jesus what I need and he'll make me clean. And I'm just like picturing Jesus going, oh crap, I didn't tell him not to tell anybody. <laughs> Wait, come back, leprechaun. Like, <laughs> that's, that's all that was going through my head. I'm choking. Like in the dying. distance, like yelling out, you know, it's like. Buddy, hope you find your dad. You it's funny. like it's like really soft, and the guy's like, "What?" and like keeps going, tells everyone, I "Won't believe what just happened." Oh yeah, I forgot. Go tell the people about Moses or something. Ah, oh, dang it, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that leads into the last little thing I want to talk about here in our first segment today. Uh, two weeks ago, and in last week's show. I was talking about when uh, I went to the Impact Institute for Leadership, this thing that Jim Beckman has been putting on, our good old friend Jim. And we did this thing called Unbound Prayer. Hmm. And like I've I've talked about on the air before, like one of the things that I struggle with is like constantly going to prayer, right? Like where I I was just telling them, I was like, you know what? I'm just tired. (laughs) I've been (laughs) praying daily or at least trying to pray daily for 15 years. Hmm. At a minimum, right? Like, wash clothes for 15, 15 years every day for 30 minutes. Like, that's going to get boring and tiring at some point, right? Like, at some point, there's some difficulty to that daily prayer, right? And I was praying through this and, like, trying to find the reasons why. And one of the things was, <coughs> I think, like most people, I have asked for something in prayer and not gotten it. Hmm. It's like, well, you know... In every situation, like, what do you do with that, right? Like, you have to sit with that. You have to, you know, there's this, there's those things like, you know, God has a plan and his ways are above all, all our ways, which are absolutely true. But in the moment, you're like, what the heck, man? <laughs> you know, like, I didn't get what I wanted. Like, if we're being real with ourselves, we're being real with God. <clears throat> so I think a lot of times if we ask for prayer and we don't get it or if we're getting tired or, or whatever, we can stop believing in the power of prayer right? We can know it intellectually. I know that prayer works. I know it from my own life where I've seen prayers answered. I know it from the lives of saints. I know it from the lives of friends. I, like, I know that prayer works, but so often we can get clouded and start to believe that it doesn't, right? <clears throat> so I was kind of struggling with this a couple of weeks ago. And I tell you what, man, that God guy, he, he showed up, right? <laughs> so here's the, here's the deal. Um, these three people that were praying with me at the end of our prayer, we spent like an hour, this whole unbound things, this whole process, right? And then we pray 
and they pray over me and all these things. Then all three of them like say like, hey, I think the Lord is telling me to tell you this. I have no I- I- idea why, right? And one of the things that one of the ladies said was like, for some reason, I'm seeing this image of Noah's Ark. I don't know why. And I was like, I mean, is it going to rain tomorrow? Like, what are you trying to say, right? And she says, Noah's Ark and I'm getting the olive branch, like sending out the dove and getting the olive branch back, right? And it was this, and she's like, I don't know what this means. And I said, oh my gosh, I know exactly what it means. Like I've been in this time of where I feel like it's flooded, right? Mm. Where I'm in the ark, I'm surrounded by these animals, right? People that work with me don't take that personally. <laughs> Sam and Mackenzie. I'm surrounded Aww. by these animals, right? And like, what is Noah done? Like, imagine his thoughts throughout that whole thing. Like, what's going to happen next? And he keeps sending out these birds and there's a lack of hope. But then he sends out this dove. It brings back this, it brings back life, right? It brings back a part of a tree and he has hope. He's not out of the flood yet. The flood's not over. But there is hope that it's going to dry up and that there's going to be sun on the other side. So uh, that was my answered prayer. Uh, prayer is real. Let's pray some this Lent. Let's do that. Uh, guys, we will be right back with our first guest, Aaron Dooley. Hey, it's Taylor. Head on over to fortecatholic.com. There you'll find all past episodes. You'll find all my social media, everything that we can do to get connected. Um, anything about my speaking and worship leading, I'd love for you guys to check it out. fortecatholic.com. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. This is your host, Taylor Schroll. Our first guest today, I met in the good old Catholic Creatives group on Facebook. Her name is Erin Dooley. She's a Catholic filmmaker with an award-winning Christian musical coming out uh, this week. Came out on Ash Wednesday. So, Erin, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great. It's great to have you. So, um, the thing I love about this Catholic Creatives group is that it's all these creative people that I get to like kind of crash the parade, right? So we've talked about this before where it's like all these amazing artists, you know, people painting amazing things and making films like you, and I'm just a dope with a microphone, and for some reason I get included in the group, and you're making these uh, amazing movies. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this film, Broken and Beautiful? Uh, just give us a little intro into the, into the film. Yeah, it is a Christian musical. It uses contemporary Christian music that people would hear on the radio. And I wove the stories. um, So I used the songs first. I listened to all these songs on the radio and then wrote the stories to make, to connect those songs. There's five different stories that interweave. There are people, they all go to the same church and they're all dealing with some struggle in their life, like from infidelity to addiction, um, just to show that just because you believe in God doesn't mean you're not going to have struggles in your life. Uh, and it shows how people of faith can overcome uh, the, their struggles by, you know, turning back to God. That's in a very quick nutshell. Um, and the way you go through, get you through your struggles is you sing about it. That's how you get through it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I, I didn't pick that up in the trailer. I watched the trailer uh, 
a few, couple weeks ago whenever we get got booked got, or got you booked to come mm-hmm. on the show i watched it again today and uh i didn't see that what that was going to be the ending of the film that we're all just going to sing together and it's going to be great but i really love like how you're, you are really getting into some nitty-gritty kind of things you said that there are, um it, it's all based around this one church right this one congregation Mm-hmm. And there are these storylines of all these people uh, interweaving. What are some of the things that they are struggling with? Um, well, the, the head of the church is a pastor. He's very young and not very good, <laughs> which he knows. So he's, you know, he's very um, insecure and just pretty inept. Um, so he is you know, struggling with that. Uh, there is a couple that is the wealthiest couple in the parish, and they are struggling over the course of the film with, you know, how they, you know, what is the role when you do have money, you know, how are you supposed to use that and their sort of lavish lifestyle, you know, they're finally realizing how does that line up with their faith. Um, There's a newcomer to the church who who has a sordid past and she's trying to seek forgiveness. She's looking to the church, hoping that everything she sort of heard about a church, about Christ would be true. And um, you know, kind of keeps hitting some stumbling blocks with the people. And uh, so, and then there's a couple that's, you know, each working a couple of jobs, trying to make ends meet, and they're drifting apart. And uh, and then another couple who's also kind of two ships in the night with their kids and with his work schedule. Um, and he has um, an addiction to pornography. So that's kind of how that can affect a family because, you know, they have a, a teenage son. Um, and that storyline is actually the first one that started the film in my head um, because I, I think pornography is a terrible blight in our culture. And I wanted to look at it from a couple of different angles. So um, I wrote that storyline to deal with it. You know, what is it effect does it have on the person using it? What about their family, you know, children and, you know, the spouse. So, um, and it, takes a real look at it. Uh, I think sometimes the Christian films can gloss over some things, but I wanted to take without being, you know, graphic or anything like that. I wanted to take an honest look and say, you know, yeah, there's people sitting next to you in the pews that might be really struggling, or maybe it's you that's really struggling. Um, but you can't always turn back and God can get you through these really hard struggles. Right. And that's what I think I I, I like about and why I agreed to have you on the show is I like that you're I think you already said it. You're being real, you know, because a lot of Christian movies are like, this is what life looks like when everything's perfect. And it's like, my life is never perfect, right? There are yeah, these, yeah. there are, like, I struggle with my things, you struggle with yours. People sitting in the church on Sunday morning, we're all struggling with some of the same things and some very different things. So I like that you're uh, not shying away from some of these um, big topics like abortion, the pornography that you mentioned. Um, same-sex attraction, you know, you're looking at this all from a very Catholic perspective and also, like, in that, a very real perspective. Like, what does life look like for real people in the pews? So, uh, my next two questions for you, um, you kind of already started getting into why you created the movie, but um, I think you might have already answered it, too, but, um, or I could guess. Who is the audience for this film? Um, well, I mean, primarily, you know, Christians um, that really like the music would be my, my right. first target market. Um, but I did one of my favorite stories to share about the film. I did uh, get into some festivals and there was a gentleman that came up to me after one screening at a festival and his very first, the first words out of his mouth were, well, I'm an atheist. And he kind of said it just like that, you know, a little <laughs> bit combative. 
And I'm thinking in my man, my mind, oh, this is going to be a lovely conversation. Uh, but to my delight, it was a delightful conversation because he said that while he does disagree with me on, you know, most everything, he thought that the way it was handled uh, was really done, done really well and that it would start conversations. So uh, part of me, my decision to release it during Lent was uh, twofold. First, so that people can think about um, you know, the struggles that we have in our life, you know, we're trying to give something up, not just giving up chocolate that you're going to binge on on Easter Sunday, but something that, you know, you really re- reflect in your life. What is something that's keeping me from God and how, what what can I remove from my life? And so maybe this film can help people see other real people. Oh, yeah, they struggle with that. And so it's, um, but let me try to figure out how to get rid of that. But then also, you know, we're called to evangelize to people. And sometimes it can be you know, people are unsure on how to invite somebody to church, but you can invite someone to see a movie with you. So if people invite people that have fallen away from the faith or that don't have, have any faith, you know, come, let's go see this movie. And then you can talk about it because there these are very real issues that people are struggling with and are things that can pe- keep people from the faith because people have a misconception on how particularly the Catholic Church uh, views them. And, you know, Catholics we should be reacting to these things, giving the truth with love. And I think that people miss that with love part sometimes when they, the way we articulate things. And so hopefully this could be a tool to, if you, if people are well-versed in the Catholic stance to say, yeah, this is really rough, um, but this is the truth. um, And, you know, do that with love and charity. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's great. At, uh, At our work, uh, at the ministry that I work in, that's one of our tenets. Like one of the things that we are built on is sharing the truth with love. Like you can't have the truth without love and you can't have a lo- the yeah. love without truth because God is both love and truth. So if we're going to share God, you need to share both. Right. Um, yeah. That the, I read the thing that the short that you just shared about the atheist and that just, it, it cracks me up and makes me so happy um, that, you know, he disagrees with you on everything but even he said that this will start conversations. What are some of the conversations that you would like to see? Um, what would be a dream come true, the conversations coming out of people watching this film? Mm. Um, well, I, I do think, again, and like I said in the earlier question, that my um, my thoughts on you know pornography and the role, and especially you know right now in the, the climate that we live in, you know all the Me Too, but then you've got Fifty Shades, of gray trilogy coming out. And it's like right. these two things we cannot say that we are so against and, you know, um, harassment. And we're saying, yeah, this is the time. This is now where we're drawing a line in the sand and saying no more. Oh, but then next week, come see this movie that glorifies this. No, we cannot have these things. And so I hope that for that topic, people can have some real conversations and say, look, we don't live in a vacuum. Things have effects on people. and there are real people behind, you know, those faces that you see and they're very damaged. And so I, I hope that um, for that storyline, people can, you know, take a real look and think about what is the truth of pornography. Um, and, uh, and obviously the same sex attraction storyline, that's very big. Um, and that too, I think that's the one that I think the one with the truth with charity, because people, have of course you know when you talk about same-sex attraction people already are going to kind of take their battle stances to to fight that but what i 
what I tried to do was to show people, um, okay, these are some real people. Obviously, they're fictitious people, but these are real stories that I have heard, um, you know, examples of and how they've reacted. So you, you can't say that that's wrong because those are real, like, these are how people respond. So I just, you know, since they are, I just hope people have conversations and say, okay, without having the automatic response, without having like the sound bite. Oh, as soon as I hear this from, you know, from that side of the camp, now I know my response is this, and they're not even listening to each other anymore. So I, I hope that the way that I come at each of these issues kind of lets people put their guard down a little bit to say, oh, I didn't actually think about it. Someone dealing with this hot button topic but in a different way than i ever looked at it yeah i mean it's so hard to just walk up to people and talk about these these issues but it's why um, people like you are able to use art to have conversations that wouldn't happen in any other way Uh, we're talking with aaron dooley the uh, creator of the broken and beautiful film Aaron, you've you've already won some awards on it. You won Best Feature at the Glory Reels uh, Christian Film Festival. You were nominated for Best Faith-Based Feature at the Action on Film International Film Festival and uh, the Golden Ace Award winner at the Las Vegas Film Festival. So um, we're talking about your award-winning Christian musical film. So um, you've already answered it in, um, I think, in the pornography sense. But uh, let's take a step back and look at the movie as a whole. Like, what made you, what was your passion? What was your drive behind making this movie? Why did you want to share this story with people? Um, Well, I really love Christian music. It is my, the primary genre that I listen to. When I wrote it, I had an hour commute each way. So if after I said my rosary in the morning, I would listen to Christian music the whole way. and so really the music and I, I love music. Uh, that's not an area where I'm talented in. So, um, but I just like how very quickly, you know, in those three minutes, you can tell this story and you can really impact people. Um, and so I always had wanted to write a Christian musical and I prayed a lot about it. And I honestly was sort of, sort of lamenting to God once. I was like, man, I, I don't, you can't write one, the story that I wanted to tell to really like impact people because most of the Christian music, what I was hearing was sort of praise and worship, which is great, but of course, movies need conflict. Um, and then after I was praying about that, all of a sudden, a lot of music started coming out that was, was getting a little bit more real and um, taking some masks off. And so I thought, oh, this is interesting. So then the, st- the songs 100% came first. Um, and then I wrote the story to, connect to the songs. Um, so really it's born out of the music that I chose. I listened to hundreds of songs to find the right ones that would fit and to tell the story that I wanted to tell. So it's really, um, I just love Christian music. That is the very short answer to that question is I love Christian music. That's why I wanted to make this film. (laughs) You've got songs by, by some of the Christian music's greats, third day, Amy Grant, Toby Mac, 10th Avenue North, and the list goes on and on and on. Mm -hmm. Uh, what percentage of like in saying that the movie is a musical, like how is the music used in the film? Um, it's probably half of it is singing. It really is. And especially as, as it goes on in the film, it builds the intensity and it's just, especially during sort of the climax of it. Um, it is, you know, song after song after song. So it really, 
they, there is a lot of singing. It's not a hundred percent like, you know, like a lame is or something like that. Yeah. That, um, that was my worry. But, I'm glad it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, cause that's especially at the beginning, you know, to me, cause there are, there's 12 main characters. Um, so there's a lot of people to, to keep track of. Um, but so at the beginning, of course, you know, as they're being introduced, there's a little less singing. Um, but but they're great songs. Um, two of them were written specifically for the film. Um, and then the rest were songs that uh, were already written. And some, you know, you'll hear them today on the radio. They're still very popular, some of these songs. So That's great. So the, the film is called Broken and Beautiful. Let's just talk about the title. Um, why, is, why did you title it that? And why is that like the primary message that you want to get across? Um, well, there, there is a song called that. Um, it's not used in the film. It's not anything. I just, as I was looking at a couple of different titles, I was like, oh, that's an interesting idea. Um, and then the more I, you know, had it sort of as like almost this placeholder name for at the beginning when I was writing the script, still choosing titles. And then I just kind of got attached to it. Um, but that, yeah, that basic idea that we are all broken um, you know, because of the fall, you know, we are broken people, but God made us beautiful. We're made in his image and we're meant to to seek after him and be beautiful. Um, and he can use our brokenness and allows our brokenness to be the people that we're called to be. So it really is so core, um, that juxtaposition of being two things at once. Um, and then the tagline is, we're all sinners, but we're all called to be saints. Um, and that idea that, yeah, we're all trying to get to heaven and even though you know even paul saint paul said he was the worst of all sinners and we're like oh saint paul is like he's the man um so if he says he's one of the worst sinners like oh my goodness um but yeah all these all these saints that we look up to they had a past i mean saint augustine he was doing all sorts of stuff as saint right. monica was praying to get her son back um so you know it doesn't matter how far away someone might seem they they can always make their way back. And so that's really, um, I do, I love stories of redemption. I love stories of forgiveness, coming back to God, um, just to really be, um, to show God's mercy to people, um, because I think that that's sorely needed in our world. And so just to, to be a voice for that, to say, um, you, you can be, you can be better. You can be who God called you to be. Well, I'm excited about the film. So uh, before we uh, go our separate ways, we got to tell people how to, how to watch it. So uh, why don't you tell we us what, what, are, what are the best ways that people can watch this film? They should go to brokenandbeautifulmovie.com. They can rent it online. They can buy a DVD or they can see it in select theaters. There's a 10 city tour. Um, so I'm starting in California. Then I'm going to Texas. I'll be in Tennessee, North Carolina, Chicago, Philadelphia, Boston. Um, I'm hitting a lot of cities for one night only screening. So you can buy tickets on my website there. That's again, broken and beautiful movie.com. And, uh, and there's also um, a CD with all the music. There's 23 songs total in this uh, movie. So you can buy a CD so you can relive the experience. Uh, and then I also wrote a book. It's called, you want me to do what God? It is the faith of making the film because I felt called by God to do this. I kept a journal while I did it. There was a lot of moments, um, that were pretty amazing uh, that really showed how God is. I like to joke that God's the executive producer on this film because <laughs> he really made things happen. Um, so that book is um, also available on my website um, to see. It's kind of a devotional slash testimonial. It's how 
I, you know, my faith got me through making the film. And then it's also each chapter has scripture and a couple of questions for the reader to think about how God might be calling them to do something in their life. Well, that's great, Aaron. So thank you. Good, thanks yeah. so much for your time, uh, guys. Go check out the movie. Uh, we will be right back for our final segment of the evening. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am so excited for this interview. As promised, we have two-time Winter Games Olympic medalist, Kurt Tomasevich, on the line today. Kurt, how are you doing this evening? Doing excellent. Thanks for having me. No, the thanks is all from me to you, man. The The fact that an Olympian wants to come uh, agreed to come on my show just completely made my day. I texted my producer in all caps. I said, an Olympic medalist is coming on my show. So uh, we're, we are very happy to have you on. Um, I want to uh, just to introduce you to our audience. I figured there's no better way to do it than your Twitter bio. It says that you're okay. a three-time Olympic bobsledder, gold medalist, motivational speaker, Husker football player, Cubs fan, bass player, astrophysics minor, bioengineering PhD, and you didn't write this, but I'll add it. Most interesting man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I always thought I can't settle on one thing, so I'll try a number of different things, and they've taken me a, a lot of different places, I guess. So, Most people that do that, um, that try to do a bunch of, bunch of things, don't perfect any, but yet you're a gold medalist in the Olympics. Uh, so you were a bobsledder for decades right so um how did you get into bobsledding being a, a, a young man from the or living going playing football in nebraska yeah i get that question a lot yeah actually i grew up in central nebraska and you know i would say the land is you know as flat as a gym floor pretty much and uh the only sledding we would do as kids is we would tie a, a saucer sled with about a 50 foot rope to the back of a four-wheeler and we'd drive around pretty much in the fields and pastures and sometimes the the streets of my hometown and that's kind of what we called sledding. So by no means did I grow up wanting to bobsled. It uh, was kind of by chance after I was done playing football in Nebraska and uh, wasn't going to the NFL. <laughs> um, I met a girl that ran track in Nebraska and she was uh, a hurdler and a hammer thrower. So kind of a, a strange combination, but she was don't, really don't mess strong. with her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really very powerful. And uh, she was recruited to be on the national bobsled team. And uh, she, talked to me about what the sport was like and kind of described the type of athlete that it takes. And I fit the, uh, physical description, I guess, you know, height and weight and that sort of thing. And, uh, uh, probably a little bit crazy too. So fit the mental description too, I guess. And so she, uh, <laughs> talked me into trying out for the sport and I guess that was September of 2004. So how, like, how do you even start learning how to bobsled? I'm so, I'm so flabbergasted by all this. You're just like, you know, pushing a cart around Nebraska. And then you're like, well, I'm going to go train to be a bobsledder now. Like, how do you, how do you start? Um, bottom line, to be a push athlete, you got to be strong, fast, and powerful. Um, you know, experience helps, you know, as you, you know, get into the sports, you know, you can be taught how to push a sled. You know, initially it sounds like a pretty simple concept. You push for five seconds and you, you go for a ride, right? Um, but, uh, you know, with all the football training I had done, you know, the previous 10 years and all the other sports that I played, you know, that were power type of sports, you know, in a way I was training to be a, a bobsled athlete. 
It was just a matter of learning the technique a little bit later on. And so I think, you know, Bob says a unique sport where, you know, it doesn't take years and years of experience. You don't have to start when you're a teenager in order to, to get to the elite level eventually. Yeah, we all learned that from Cool Runnings. That, uh, that, that movie made it look very easy. I doubt it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, great movie. There are some bits of truth to the movie, but there's a lot of uh, you know, made-for-television type of moments there, too. <laughs> oh, I bet. Uh, which, you know, in they're probably, it, they're probably the most famous bobsledding team ever, but that's not real life. In real life, you were a part of the team in 2010 – that won the gold medal that ended a 62 year gold medal drought. Like that has to be amazing. Like how do, how do you go from, so we, we got to like you learning how to bobsled and how a football prepared you. How did you get from, she invited you to bobsled to breaking a 62 year drought and getting a gold medal in the Olympics? Yeah, it was a uh, pretty crazy. And, and I, I mean, I could probably spend hours telling this story, I guess, but uh, when I started the sport, you know, it took me about, you know, a couple months to get over the idea that this was just a, a fun little adventure. It quickly became, you know, my, my focus. And, uh, you know, a lot of ways my life revolved around making the bobsled team and doing well. So, you know, I kind of got really serious about the sport pretty quickly. So, um, you know, so it took again about six years, I guess, to, to really get to that, to the top level with my teammates. And, um, you know, when your life kind of revolves around that sort of thing, you know, become emerged in it. And uh, it was really gratifying, I guess, to, you know, to have that moment where everything just kind of came together for us. And we knew that all those years, all that hard work paid off. Yeah, that's tremendous. I, I just can't even imagine the picture on your Wikipedia is you like with the gold medal in your mouth and you just look so happy. And uh, it's just, it's just amazing. I, uh, I myself, was an athlete and the day that I quit athletics the day that I quit in college I was running track and I ran against two Olympians at Baylor and I said you know what I'm done with this <laughs> they completely annihilated me and there are people who say all the time like with the Winter Olympics going on like there should just be like a normal person that goes out and does it <laughs> you know just to to show how much better Olympians are than other people you guys are just peak athletes and uh honestly if i tried to go down a bobsled i would die on my first attempt you guys are going 80 to 90 miles an hour down a hill like that's crazy <laughs> yeah and it's you know something you never get used to again i did it for 10 years and i think my first trip was just as scary as my last trip and uh you know i think i took close to a thousand runs over over 10 years and again it's just you don't get used to it that's that's for sure that's crazy so um the reason that i invited you on was not just because you're this ama amazing and accomplished athlete, but my uncle actually te texted me an interview with you in the National Catholic Register uh, that was like this blog. And I read it and I was just amazed at how much your faith has played a part in your life. Uh, so I want to ask you a little bit about that. So because uh, you say on your website, if I weren't Catholic, I think my life would be the equivalent of a bobsled crash. So like has faith always been a part of your life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I was very fortunate, you know, my, my parents, you know, we, we'd go to mass every, every weekend and, you know, I was physically involved, you know, very much. I was, you know, always doing the right things, I guess, but, you know, eventually I started asking, you know, my own questions, you know, why do we this? Why, what is going on here? Um, you know, what does all this mean? And kind of, you know, learn my answers on my own. And that, you know, the true identity of what faith is, I wasn't just, 
going because somebody told me to, I, I learned that, uh, you know, it is and was the truth. And so, you know, I couldn't, uh, separate that from my life completely, even though I was now taking this weird adventure of becoming a bobsledder. It was still part of who I was as I grew up too. So throughout your career, uh, was it harder? Like, did, was it hard to keep up your faith while like pursuing being an Olympic athlete or did your faith help you through that? Um, <laughs> yes and no, I guess. Right. Um, you know, while I was competing, um, our races, our world cup races are every weekend and they're random places throughout the world. So, wow. you know, getting to mass on Sundays was really tough. Um, you know, we, we race sometimes at 10 in the morning and again, we're in different countries. It's hard to, you know, find a routine and a schedule in order to keep that. Um, you know, at the same time, uh, you know, my, my faith, you know, kept me focused on, you know, a lot of things that were important in life. You know, we have good races, bad races, you know, sometimes, you know, just good days on the track and bad days on the weight room or whatever it might be, I guess. But, you know, as long as you can keep focused and centered on the priorities, you know, in a way, none of that really matters if you can't uh, again, keep your eyes looking up. Yeah. I mean, I, I can just only imagine, man, just how much how much the the training and the traveling was was so much a part of your life that I mean, there, there are people listening right now whose lives are just crazy busy who who are, are are looking at it and saying how can i make faith a part of my everyday how can it not just be an hour on the weekends or or maybe even a couple of, you know skip a few weeks right so i know that that your faith now is a big thing and it has carried you throughout uh, your entire career um and now you're using your platform you're using um your um accomplishments to share about your faith. Uh, I, I was visiting your website and I saw that you are now a motivational speaker, both for faith topics and some, you know, uh, not uh, secular motivational speaking as well. Um, three of the, the topics that you like to talk about are uh, the beginning of your career, your first crash and the end of your career. And I think that people, even though none of us are even close to being Olympic athletes, we can uh, connect with you in some of the, the, uh, parts of your story. So let's dive into the beginning of your career and the leap of faith that it took for you to go from a, being a, you know, just a normal Nebraska guy to being a bobsledder. Yeah. Um, you know, at that time I was 23 years old and, uh, most of my college football teammates and my roommates and friends, you know, they were kind of doing what was expected of them. You know, they were, you know, getting jobs, you know, marrying their girlfriends and, you know, starting families and that sort of thing. And, I just uh, apparently wasn't ready to kind of follow that same path. And so, yeah, I got this opportunity to join the bobsled team, but, you know, I'm not a real crazy outgoing guy a lot of the time. So this was a big step for me to try something new and move to a different part of the country and not know anybody. And, you know, there's a good chunk of those first few years where I felt, you know, pretty lonely and a little lost and, you know, questioning what in the world am I doing, you know, chasing this, this crazy I won't say it was a dream, but this crazy adventure, I guess. So, you know, I came back to, to my faith and, you know, looked to God to, to answer those questions for me. And, you know, was there a, a clear cut answer? No, but, you know, eventually the answer came to me that I was meant to, to do something like this. And that was where I was exactly where I was supposed to be. So what did that, like, let's dive into that. What did that process look like whenever you were struggling and you were lonely? What did turning to God look like for you in those moments? Um, yeah, it was, I mean, I won't say, I, or I will say that I don't 
you know, if any of my teammates, um, when I first joined the team in my sled or just on the national team in general were Catholic. And so it wasn't, uh, and I didn't have anybody to really share that with either. So it was even when I was, you know, coming back to, to my faith and, you know, reading certain scriptures or, you know, certain devotional books or, or whatever it might be, instead of going to mass, I was trying to keep my faith that way, but, you know, I didn't have anybody to, to share it with a lot of the time. And so, you know, it wasn't easy, but, you know, I was trying to, you know, find ways to stay connected, you know, even if it wasn't, you know, physically going to, to church or, um, and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I have a, a good friend that's a priest that, you know, I talk to quite a bit and he, you know, give me advice and, you know, give me little things to do, I guess, and you know, readings that were, you know, could be helpful and that sort of thing. So that's what I, I stuck with for the first couple of years. And, uh, you know, and then started to find my routine, I guess, with how to handle my faith every day. And we can see how that leap of faith paid off in in your career with all your medals and all of your achievements. Um, how did that leap of faith um, in that moment it affect your 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 Catholic spiritual life um, going like from then until now? Um, yeah, I think you know I, I started to maybe answer that a, a little bit ago, where you know for a while I was questioning what am I doing, but you know when things on the ice started to become successful. And, you know, you see your hard work paying off and, and that sort of thing, you know, at least with, you know, awards, you know, for racing, then, you know, you, you start to see that, okay, I guess maybe I am where I'm supposed to be. But, you know, at the same time, those are, you know, kind of materialistic rewards. And so, you know, getting the chance to have a platform and, you know, give some motivational talks and reach out to, to different people because of bobsledding, you know, maybe that was a, a more deeper reward you know, that I, you know, you don't get recognition for, but at the same time, I think that's a, an even more important calling. Yeah. Amen. Another big moment in your career was your first crash, uh, which you say yeah. in the description of this, of this talk, you say uh, it's <laughs> lasted so long that you were able to pray three and a half Hail Marys before the sled stopped. Now, is that tongue in cheek or is that absolutely true? That is absolutely true. I wow. You know, and, wow. And when I'm giving my talk and I, I talk about how my faith played a role in my first crash. And it's, it's I don't want to say it's comical, but, you know, it's uh, a little more lighthearted, I guess, than the deeper, uh, you know, discussion we just had. But yeah, when I first crashed in a bobsled, we were in Lake Placid, New York. <clears throat> um, my driver made a small mistake and we crashed, I think, in curve six of a track that has 20 curves. And so we were sliding upside down at about 60, 70 miles an hour for, uh, I was, you know, probably close to 45 seconds or so, oh I my guess, gosh. And, you know, kind of rattling off in my head pretty quick. I got in three and a half Hail Marys and I always look back and think I was kind of proud of myself for, you know, not uh, cussing up a storm, which could have been the, <laughs> a more natural reaction too. I'm not sure. Right. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's crazy. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I can't imagine like just watching the bobsledders. I'm just like, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. Like, don't flip over. You know, <laughs> uh, I saw this thing the other day that was when the summer Olympics is like, who's stronger, who's faster. The winter Olympics is who can go down this hill and not perish. You know, so yeah, it's, <laughs> yep. yeah I think uh, curling might be the only winter sport where, uh, you know, your life isn't uh, on the line. <laughs> Competitive sweeping. Right. So, uh, yeah. So how did this, like, not, not only, I mean, it's just amazing, like you said, that you were able to just have the ability to pray in that moment and not do what you and I probably naturally would do, but um, how did this crash, like, how did it affect you, and then how did turning to God help? 
Um, I think one thing, so I've been in athletics all my life and, you know, of course, you know, I pray before every competition and, you know, I know a lot of athletes do the same. Um, and maybe one difference is I never, you know, I'm not trying to point a finger at anybody, but I never like to pray for victory. Like, uh, to me, it's, you know, if I'm praying to win, then at the same time, I'm praying for somebody else to lose. And that just doesn't always feel right. And so I've kind of learned, you know, knowing how dangerous our sport is that, uh, you know, praying for safety is the first thing that I pray for and praying for, you know, everybody to give a fair and their best effort. And, you know, that's a more genuine prayer, I think that, uh, you know, makes sense. But, um, yeah, I, I never really prayed for any kind of victory or prayed for a gold medal. I thought, you know, if I used my talents or gifts that I've been given, then, uh, you know, things will just work itself out. And, uh, that's all I can do. Yeah. You, your prayer is beautiful for everybody, but curlers. I don't think curlers need to pray for uh, safety. Maybe they can pray for victory, but everybody else, everybody else. I absolutely <laughs> agree with you. Well, uh, Kurt, uh, where can people get connected with you? How can they follow you stuff? Um, I, I want people to, to just, uh, be drawn to what you have to say. Yeah. I mean, I, not a huge social media, um, uh, professional by any means, but, you know, I definitely try to, to post and share some things, I guess, on, uh, Twitter. My, my handle is just C Thomas Savage and, uh, you know, Facebook as well. I have a kind of a fan page that I, I post some interesting things. And then again, I'm always looking to, uh, you know, jump on opportunities to, to give motivational talks and, you know, just, uh, continue to use bobsled any way I can to, uh, um, you know, bring, uh, a lot of good things. Guys, you can find all this at T-O-M-A-S-E-V-I-C-Z bobsled.com. Kurt, thank you so much for spending some time with us here this evening. My pleasure. All right, guys, we will be back next week. Uh, Again, sorry, we didn't have enough time to get to Father Jared Cook. Uh, Maybe next week. Uh, Y'all have a great one. We'll be back then. See ya!